Hi everybody, this is Dan Crane and welcome to Dragon's Cast. Today on the show we've got a full house. Nate, Leon, and Bill join me along with Greg Cusick. Greg, welcome to the pod. Oh, thanks for having me. Really excited to be here and I appreciate everybody taking the time out. Nate, how have things been going? Yeah, I can't complain. It's just saying it's only what, like a month till basketball and I was saying how many football games I've watched so it's hard to make the transition. So yeah, Greg, thanks for taking the time. Looking forward to talking to you. So. Leon, you catch any football today? I watched a couple of the games. Thanks for coming on, Greg. We really appreciate it. As a bunch of Drexel fans that have been with the program for about over two decades now, it's crazy that we have some new blood to partner up with the DAC Pack, and we hope to find out a lot about what you're trying to do here. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. It's exciting. Meeting a lot of people, obviously, just surpassed the two-month mark, so that alone feels like a milestone. That's a good tease, Leon, because I want to hear a lot about the DAC Pack and what that re- what relationship you're building there, Greg. Bill, how you been doing? Good, man. Raiders got the first win of the season today, so I'm happy about that. I've been not too happy with the team before that, so I'll take it. <laughs> All right. So, Greg, you are the special guest, and you are new to so many of us here at Drexel. And to Leon's point, new is a little bit unusual, so you're going to get picked on a little bit. But uh, we'll try to we'll try to be gentle. But you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got here? Yeah, I'm the new senior associate athletic director for strategic marketing and communication slash external relations. As I just mentioned, just surpassed my two month mark here at Drexel. Really excited about that. I grew up down in South Jersey, a Circleville to be exact. So obviously had a connection to Philadelphia just from proximity alone. Growing up, a lot of trips to Philadelphia with the family on the weekends, and growing up a big Philadelphia sports fan, had the opportunity to be. At a city school was really exciting for me. Background for as far as work, I worked at a Wagner College for five years in a very similar role you know, directly previous to this, where I oversaw external relations unit there, which consisted of marketing, communications, media relations, as well as fundraising. We had a lot of success in some of the items and implementations of ideas. I'm looking forward to generating new ideas here, but maybe continuing some of those strategies from the past over to Drexel and being a part of some growth and expansion. Brings me to my first question is, what did you do at Wagner? What significant impact did you have there that you were, got you excited to get, move the needle? Yeah, no, 100%. Sure. No, I think number one, whenever you're in external facing position, right, you'd be a little remiss not to say relationship building is one of your biggest strengths and something you're the most proud of. And specifically at Wagner, I think I did a really good job in regards to our touchdown club, which was a fundraising arm for our football program and just building that membership and making connections with individuals there. I was really, I wouldn't say maybe surprised be the word, but I received so many text messages of people when I got this job and the press release came out that I was going to Drexel of thanks for everything you did. We're excited for you. And uh, that alone was really exciting to see that, that I made that many relationships where people were personally texting me and congratulating me with the alumni there. That was probably one of the most proud of and same in the basketball lens we made some relationships there as well and then we were able to develop some large crowds of some of our key games we usually highlighted three games per season that we really tried to blow out and we were very successful in my time there and doing so specifically one game that stands out my final year at Wagner as we played Mount St. Mary's on ESPNU I think it was sometime in February if I'm not mistaken and it was one of our first games coming off some of our code restrictions we had a phenomenal crowd it was a great atmosphere great event showed very well on television we got a little bit of publicity too because Bashir did this one on his own so I can't take credit but he was rocking one of our players jerseys on the sideline for the last two minutes that was injured but that was all him we did some good stuff after the game trying to get that out to some news outlets that was that's a moment that sticks out so yeah those are a couple that pop into my mind off the top well Bashir is an extremely well-educated gentleman 
<laughs> he um, sure is. He sure is. Glad that you got a chance to work with him. So then I guess what brought you here? What made you interested? Obviously back in Philly, right? But what made you interested yeah. in the Drexel position? Was it both people you saw at the deck in the film? Yeah, I think, no, number one is, was the growth of the university as a whole. I think it's exciting what Drexel has done in regards to overall enrollment and outside of Rome, what they've done with facilities from a grand scheme of the university. So that was really enticing from an overarching large alignment standpoint. And then outside of that, as you mentioned, the proximity, obviously, to Philadelphia and the City Six and being a part of Philly basketball culture now and being in it, that's really important to me and exciting to be involved in that. And then I thought there's a mass potential here. I think in some of our previous conversations, I mentioned that the DAC alone is extremely intriguing to me, number one, because of all the initiatives that are currently taking place and I can't wait to have you all at a game and see what it looks like. Obviously, hopefully we can maybe get you out before the opener. I'd love to give everybody a tour, but that's exciting. And then the size of the arena alone is exciting if we're talking specifically basketball, because I do think it's an intimate environment that can create a really cool experience, which is exciting for in, in a position that I'm in. It is an intimate environment. I promise you that. It's a great environment. It can be really great. And I hope we can, you can get that out of it, right? Because that's really the thing. So I did count. I went to the website while you were speaking there and counted. You have a 10-word title. Most of my sentences are about that long. Can you give us some perspective on, I guess, what that role means, what maybe you would think of as part of that role? I know we talked about TV and whatnot but in the past, but what falls outside of that scope? Give us a little more perspective on, on what you're doing. Yeah, so essentially, I'll just run through maybe some of the items that would fall under my jurisdiction. So branding, revenue generation, website management, social media management, all internal, external communications, marketing efforts for athletic games and events, the media relations, ticket sales. So those items are the main focal points. What's outside of maybe that specific role, which people would maybe think could align fundraising that's not something I'm directly involved in. It's more on the strategic communication side when it comes to fundraising and working with that team in regards to what the emails look like, how constant we are going to be making touch points when a mailer is going out, when an email is going out, what the masthead looks like, those items rather than specifically fundraising. And the other area that I would think people would maybe think in a position with this 10-word title might be involved in that is, and would be specifically event management. That's not directly under my jurisdiction, but we would work hand in hand, but that doesn't fall under me. So those, those, that's the overarching items there. So I guess with that in mind, how close are you, I'd imagine, to your point, the things that are outside of scope that we just talked about, what you would think would be within that role of development and whatnot. You probably work hand in hand, though, with those folks. Correct. Yeah, no, definitely. I think... Anytime you're in a marketing or quasi-marketing position, I refer to those roles as connectors, right? Like you have to be a connector within your department and both, and then both externally as well, right? Internally and externally be a connector. So you kind of get your hands in a lot of stuff. You get pulled into items and ideas and how do we make this happen, which is the exciting part. So yeah, there's a, a heavy involvement with fundraising and then same thing is event management, right? You're going to be involved in a lot of those discussions. That is connector piece. It's funny, but I was just at a wedding back in March and we had 12 groomsmen and the overarching theme of the, he wanted all 12 groomsmen to speak at the wedding, oh, uh, wow. the rehearsal dinner. And yeah, I, the look from Bill's face, I know nobody can see that, but it's, <laughs> that was our reaction too. I think one of us for each era spoke, it was like three or four people spoke at the end of it, but the story was called The Great Connector, right? Because this guy was, it's what he does and it's the relationship there. I get it. And Zach Spiker talks about relationships, right? That's, yep. that's really what he talks about building around. So it's interesting to hear that 
in a very different position, but in the same building. I'm just saying, who's your team? Who else? Because yeah, yeah. and thank you for asking that, Dan. I, when I emailed about something else, I cut and pasted your title because I didn't want to screw it up. <laughs> so it's good to hear what the nuts and bolts of it are. But who's your team? Who really works with you? Yes, I work with Sean Joyce, Jim Foley, Mike Tuberosa, and, and Chad Cooper, Chris Friedkin. We just hired an assistant director of creative services, Brian Manley. We're real excited about what he's been able to do. And hopefully you've seen the elevation, some of the graphics and videos that we've been putting across on social media. Josh Bellman, director of video services, are the individuals that come to my mind right away. We have a graduate assistant in the media relations department as well. But direct reports is really the media relations office, the external relations and ticket that are going to report directly to me. Hopefully I didn't miss anybody. I think I got just about everybody, if not everybody. So yeah, it's been a pleasure working and meeting with the new individuals. It's a unique in my time at Drexel because I think, and you alluded to in the beginning, there are a lot of individuals that have been here for 20 plus years. And there is a sense of a newer wave, maybe of individuals that have been here two years or less. So it's a unique mix, which I think is really exciting because you get a sense of the history of and what has been really a propeller for certain programs or ideas and, and what really matters to people, but you also integrate some new ideas and ways to have a nod to the history, but make some adjustments. Yeah, it's a funny thing. It's a funny dynamic, right? Especially a lot of the, the newer the newer folks are now overseeing some of the folks who've been here for a long time. That's got to be a challenging dynamic for both sides, right? For It's challenging to manage and challenging to manage up to. Is that something that you've had to address early on? Yeah, no, I think great question. To me, I'm always just trying to be as open and honest as possible. So I like let everything be an open book. I feel like maybe you guys don't know me too well, but I'm pretty direct in regards to expectations and how, what we're going to try to accomplish as a group. I haven't, I don't, I haven't felt any pushback. To be honest, it, it, the most feedback I've got is excitement. To, to be fair, I think there's been a. There's just a new, maybe a, a breath of fresh air with Maisha being on board and some new people where there is an excitement and a sense of, especially with COVID, maybe dwindling away here, that's something we're on the precipice of something and there's growth potential here, which is exciting for everybody. So that's really been the most feedback. Like anything during a transition, right? We're going to have some bumps and bruises along the way. And I'd be remiss not to act like that hasn't happened or won't continue to happen because that's the reality of life, right? So I don't want to act like that's not possible or hasn't happened. But yeah, no, I feel really comfortable with the group and excited about working with everybody individually. Have you had any uh, any surprises since you've been here, good or bad? I'm curious as to what your expect- expectations of the job were versus the realities now that you're here. Yeah, you know what? The biggest surprise, and this isn't me with my marketing lens, is when they put the video board together. And I saw how actually big it was. You can guess when you see the dimensions of something in a, on a screen or on a PDF and that what you think it's going to look like. But now that I see it physically put together and sitting on the floor of the deck right now, it should be hoisted very soon. It is very large, which is exciting, even larger than I anticipated. So that was a bit of a surprise in a good way. And then beyond that, I think it just learning the dynamics of that history and some of the cool and unique things and people that have been around just meeting Calvin and hearing that story. I wasn't really aware of that. That was a really nice, pleasant surprise. And that, that's, I think that's obviously very unique to Drexel. And that was a great experience for me. And yeah, so the, those are some of the ones that come to mind. All right. I'm going to ask the group here. Has anybody besides Greg been following many of the fall sports as Drexel? Yeah, that's, got, that's where I thought we'd end up going. I, it, but I will say this. If Twitter's to be believed, we are the best fall sports package we've ever seen. I, I see the highlights. I see the clips. I saw the undefeated run. Kind of, can you give us a, an update as to what's going on so we can become aware yeah. and see what we should know? 
Yeah, no, our women's soccer program, they just actually won today 2-1 to one versus Elon. They're 8-1-3 and three overall and 3-1 and one in the CAA. They had a 12-game unbeaten streak before they just got clipped on this past Thursday versus Towson. But, you know, that they've off to obviously an incredible start. And also junior forward Delaney Lappin, she broke into the top 10 career goals, which is really exciting. They've had some really great moments throughout this year. They had a goal in the last, I think it was like minute and a half, at UNC Wilmington for a victory. And they've been an exciting team to follow. And they're putting a lot of goals on the board, which is exciting. The men's soccer program, they're 4-3-3, three, and 2-2-1 three, two, two, and one in conference. They've had a pretty strong start as well. A handful of conference honors and regional honors there. Field hockey program, they're 6-5. and five. They had a really big win against Penn at home, which is anybody that follows field hockey knows that the Penn program is really strong. And anytime you can get a win versus city rival, and especially a program as strong as Penn, that that's a great moment for our field hockey program. And then just this past week, and I apologize, I've not met him yet, but Alan Juz, Juz let me say this again, Alan Juzdeazen, I believe, on the men's tennis program. He broke into the top 64 of the ITA All-Americans, which is a really big deal. He actually beat the 10th ranked individual from Notre Dame. So those are some of the highlights to this point. I will say I've been probably closer than I've ever been to coming to a soccer game in a you know, men's or women's because of the one of my son's playing soccer, and I think he'd enjoy it. And then two, I think, Dan, like you said, I, I am seeing a lot more social media presence than like, I ever did. So... Have you been behind that or who's been getting that going? You know, that, yeah, yes. So that was to be completely blunt, honest with everybody as part of my interview process. That was one of my largest pitches was uh, showing a development of how we can improve on social media. And that was something at Wagner that we really emphasized. And we had a phenomenal individual, Max Rottenecker, there that really led the charge. And to be honest, I sat back a lot of the time and just let him go because he was so good at his job. But just understanding the value of that and looking at the numbers, the reach, the analytics, how important it is. Because you're talking to a large audience every time you send something out, right? So you want to have it be the highest quality possible and try to make the most connections possible. That's been a really big emphasis and maybe a little bit of a change in strategy in regards to the importance it holds and the overall weight of not just the individual teams, but the department as a whole. And as I mentioned, we did hire a new assistant director of creative services, and he's really the brainchild of the new look in regards to feel the graphics themselves, what they ended up being. So we've worked really closely on that. But overall strategy, that's definitely coming from myself and in our media relations office and just putting a re-emphasis on how important that really is in the overall department. It's funny you say that, Nate, because I saw something. There was a one o'clock, I think, soccer game, I want to say today on campus. And it was the first time I actually thought about bringing my daughter to a Drexel event. I was just going, hey, wait a second. That actually makes a lot of sense. Wasn't the best weather day. Yeah. Right. But I had my daughter out for the day and I was like, wow, that's, this makes too much sense. Why would I not bring her to a women's soccer game? So I figured I'll be down there. And it was largely because of that social media presence. I joined Nate and saying, appreciate it. Sometimes it's just a, a nice trigger to something I wouldn't otherwise be paying attention to. Yeah, no, exactly. You never know how you're going to make a connection with somebody. And I think it's really important as a representation of what we are as a university and as a City Six program and where we sit in the CAA that. What we're putting out meets a certain standard and hopefully when we continue to develop and, and grow and we can be one of the best in the conference or not the best is really the goal from that aspect. It's easier connections to get Mount St. Mary's on the schedule today. I could look out my window and like almost see Route 15. It's not too far. We go down to D.C. We go through a past our campus on Saturday. So that'd be nice, too. I failed to mention that at the beginning. I am a Mount grad and I tell this story all the time because 
people ask, oh, what's Emmitsburg, Maryland? What, that, what was that experience like? I said, first of all, it's phenomenal because it's a really small, close-knit campus. Somebody like me likes to build relationships. I couldn't ask for much more than that because that's really all you can do. But I, I do tell a story all the time because I find it was funny. We actually were put on lockdown and classes got canceled because there was two rogue cows on campus one day. So that's the kind of experience. That is unique. I saw you intern at Penn too, and I apologize that you didn't get the Drexel internship. I want to flip over real quick. We'll take it back. We'll throw some rain on this parade. But why, just in your opinion, obviously part of the reason for this podcast, part of the reason for the blogs I've written, whatever else, and the Dragon's Cast podcast, before I got to join it with Leon, Bill, and others, had to do with trying to keep a tradition that we feel is very important alive. And we saw it dying. Not just a little bit. This was uh, Terminal Velocity. It was by far the biggest drop in the CAA or Philadelphia or the Northeast, or pick your metric. Your opinion, real quick, just from an external relations view, what were the, not the mistakes were made, but what were the causes of where we are now? Yeah. Yeah, no, great great question. And I spent a lot of time talking to season ticket holders, former season ticket holders, alumni, current student athletes, and trying to get a better sense for what their opinions and thoughts were. And I think there's a couple of things. I think number one, I'd be remiss not to mention maybe alluded to it is there is an overall drop of attendance in collegiate sporting events. Specifically, I don't think there's been any mass studies in college basketball, but college football has had seven straight years of decline in attendance. That is real. That is true. That isn't hyperbole. That is happening nationally. So I did want to address that and to be fair to everybody. I think from one of the things the consistent feedback I got is maybe a lack of entertainment upon the experience at the games. Maybe too much of an emphasis on the basketball itself, which is obviously important, and that's why everybody's there, right? But there's still that whole other aspect of going to a sporting event. And I think from the consistent feedback that I received is maybe that could there could be some items there to improve that experience. Really, the overall fan experience. I think that's important, obviously, when we're talking about in-person sporting events. And then from a strategical standpoint, just an overall emphasis on a sustainable campaigns to grow awareness and the brand of Drexel and Drexel basketball. I think that's really important that there needs to be maybe a little bit of a more emphasis there. And that's something that we're definitely going to address and are working on. But those are probably the two biggest items and feedback that I've received in my conversations, I would say. So in the building and out of the building kind of is, 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 it's kind of everything, but you have your work cut out for you. And I'm excited then to talk about this next phase of our conversation where we talk about basketball specifically and what's to come, because obviously it sounds like it won't just be a video board, but it sounds like a hell of a video board, but no, will just be a video board, but with some other changes to go in, in the building. And I've also talked to some folks who've already gotten been approached outside of the building, which is in the off season, which is great to hear. So we'll start overall. I don't think you're going to turn around in a day. I think that'd be a bit much. Can you tell us a little bit about kind of goals and we'll start with attendance in the building yeah no we just hit on it right how are we going to grow in attendance at our basketball games specifically it is a focus on both internal and external so essentially from a broader standpoint what are some of the goals this year i won't get into specifics but we want to grow by a certain percentage of attendance and specifically with emphasis on pre-sale you know that both men's and women's we want to make a concerted effort to have more pre-sold tickets in advance of our games. And I have some goals internally on what that percentage looks like, which I don't maybe feel comfortable sharing externally because I don't want to have people under any scrutiny or anything. But that is a, a large emphasis and something that we're going to focus on. And then obviously, more vaguely, we want to continue to grow our student engagement and partnerships there. So 
from a vaguer standpoint, those are the goals essentially is to grow our pre-sale number and to have more student engagement. How are we going to do it? Right. That's the real question. So essentially my philosophical beliefs are that you need to spend monetary resources on your external growth and human resources on your internal growth. As far as digital ad campaigns, search campaigns, real monetary dollars will be spent more from an external perspective. That's how I look at it. And then human resources from an internal perspective, that more grassroots effort and building connections and relationship with the people that are. And hence, welcome to the podcast. I am going to hound you. I'm going to hound you because the real question, when we are, I'm not going to hound you for a number specifically, but I will ask you, obviously, with the with the crowds, how they've been on the pandemic, especially coming out of the pandemic, right? I would argue growth coming out of the last two years, that's all should be expected in a generic scenario, right? But are we talking about like a 5% increase or are we talking about like a 50%? Is it a substantial goal or no, is it a nice to have? Correct. Yeah, I think 50 would be a little aggressive and I would say five is, is, too, is not quite there. We're probably closer to five than we are at 50, but we're not at five. Specifically, I said those pre-sold numbers I would ant- I really am looking for and anticipating a significant growth, which will obviously attribute to larger crowds and attendance. So that's really the focus in regards to where those percentages lie. Like I said, closer to five than 50, but definitely not five. Okay. Is the stress on pre-sold numbers, is that, because obviously one of the things that I've talked about with some of the other folks who've been involved in this discussion over the years has been the challenges of marketing around the deck, right? The fact that you could stand for the past at the corner of 33rd market and not know there was a basketball game going on. You could stand in the, in the, I'm blanking on the name of the bar, but the downstairs of the deck and not know there was a game going on. Landmark, thank you. And obviously that would be walk up, right? That's not advanced purchase, but that was one of of our frustrations. So the stress, and we always thought that was solvable, but maybe that's, it's harder than we think. Is the thought on pre-sale Simply, if you can start bringing in crowds consistently through pre-sale, then you'll get walk-up? Correct. The, basically, I'm, we are really focused on sustainable long-term growth. And the more consistent you are with your pre-sale numbers, the more consistent you are going to be able to grow historically, theoretically, right? That we can turn some of those people into season ticket holders, or we can turn a single-game ticket holder into a mini-game plan holder. Because once we have their data and information, we now can grow in, as far as our reach. So that's really important in regards to sustainable growth. Pre-sale, you can't control right? If somebody makes a decision right then and there to come to a basketball game, as more as you can control, right? If you're marketing as a whole, the season or individual game in advance for a month, two weeks, whatever the campaign might run. And then as far as the walk up and the environment and, and things of that nature, there, there is part of the DAC renovations, there are going to be external speakers on the Lancaster Walk side, which is exciting because that will definitely add to the atmosphere on game day. And we'll also utilize that from a marketing effort to communicate and advance the games on some of the games of information. And then Landmark, I think, is something that we're working on from a relationship standpoint in regards to just what that looks like and having that be a continued growth in the partnership and having that be a hub maybe for Drexel basketball, pre or post, whatever we can maybe work out. But I think there's some opportunities there as well. I'm assuming that the new pre-sale, the three-game mini plan is part of the pre-sale. Yes. So tell yes. us a little bit about that and then anything else you have lined up. Yeah, no, thank you. Know, yeah, thanks for bringing that up, Nate. Yeah, we have a currently have a three game mini plan offering. 
for the uh, on the men's basketball side for the Old Dominion game on November 11th, the Penn game on November 15th, and the Princeton game on December 3rd. As part of that, you're also going to get a, a knit hat courtesy of Pepsi. And it's all for $45, which is a great deal in my opinion in regards to what you're receiving. And that is definitely 100% a conservative effort in regards to increasing that pre-sold ticket number. We're also going to do a, another mini plan once you get into conference season. I think we're going to look at what some of those high-profile matchups look like after non-conference and make that selection. But that'll be something that happens for conference games as well. And we'll also do one on the women's side for the conference game. So that goes does go back to the pre-sold. And we're also trying to create a package that's enticing to people. That is a good deal. That That is important. I want people to feel like they're getting bang for the buck and they're excited to be here. And those are obviously three high-profile matchups with some nationally renowned brands. And I think you know, there's excitement there and we want to try to build off it. I really like the mini plan because a lot of times when you're buying into those type of things in other, other sports, right, they try to throw you the Marlins. The Marlins are in town for the 45th time this year, and they want – now, this is three pretty good games, right? These are the top flight if you want to see the out-of-conference. This is probably the best of the schedule. Plus, you get the season opener in there. It's, it's a good it's a good slate. I think there was a comment, too, from somebody about people out of the area. So someone like me from Mechanicsburg, remember one year I got season tickets. Yep. Even coming in from Manioc, the one year we had a bunch of snowstorms. And the buses were shut down and they still played George Mason on a Saturday afternoon. I couldn't go. So a three game plan is perfect for even somebody like me out of the area. So I'm excited about it. It's a good idea. Yeah. And we, like I said, and Dan mentioned, we, we want people to feel like they're getting a good deal that we're not throwing in a game that maybe isn't quite as intriguing or, or to, to the non-basketball junkie or fan or that's maybe coming for the matchup rather than the experience. We tried to pick high-profile brands that we think will align to more sales and more people in the door. And then when they're in the door, hopefully we can show them a great experience and keep them coming back. So curious, you touched on a women's package potentially coming out. I want to jump over real quick. You talked about the goals we have on the men's side, at least alluded to them. Are the women's goals in line with that or are they a separate entity? Yeah, no, they're very similarly aligned, slightly different, but very similarly aligned and approaching in a similar manner. I think what is the biggest difference in regards to strategic planning on both is actually more on a smaller scale. It's working with the programs in regards to what they value the most from like a promotional standpoint, like what are their items that they're the most passionate about and making sure that we can lean on to that for some of our single game promotions. That's where some of the items change, right? Because there might be different priorities from the women's program and their coaching staff from the men's program and their coaching staff. Those things differ a little bit, but the overall goals in regards to attendance and growth percentage are very similar. You've got me curious there. What and I'm not going to ask you to point to either program individually, but what is an example of kind of a, something the coaching staff would be intrigued by? Yeah, so like on like the women's side, for example, there's a Women's in Sports Day, which is a really big deal for almost all women's basketball programs. And that's about national girls, surrounded by National Girls and Women's in Sports Day. So that's a really big deal for them, right? So we're going to make sure that we align with that time frame and have a good promotion on that day and lean into something that they're passionate about. And on the men's side, they've really alluded that they want to be involved in some initiatives in the community and specifically around the winter and Thanksgiving season. They I think there could be some secondary opportunities for us to do a coat drive at a handful of their games. I think that's something that, that's something that they've mentioned that they're passionate about. So we can utilize that for some of these secondary items at the games. Now that's interesting because normally, and you'll see, we've done various drives, sure. can drives and whatnot at games before, but 
you haven't known where it's come from uh, in most cases. I think that'd be interesting to hear if it's specifically coming from a team or something like that or a coach. I think that gets more buy-in, right? When you can put a, a name or somebody behind it. It's all messaging. It's all about how you message something. If you just say, hey, we're doing a coat drive, okay, maybe that might connect with some people. But if we create it in a way where well, there's a connection to it and somebody is stating why it's important to them and, and we get some videos behind it and things of that nature and we can make a connection, then we would hope that could make it be a little more successful. As you do lineup promotions, where are you going to post them? How do you find out about them? That sort of thing. Yeah, we're going to post them all. They're going to live permanently on its own tab in the both the men's and women's areas of the website and then also in, in the fan section of the website. But we're also going to make social media posts about from both pages, both the men's pages and the women's pages. Once they're finalized, we should be having them finalized this week and plans to announce them in the October 10th to 12th timeframe. And they'll live on the website. They'll be promoted on social media. And obviously there'll be individual games every single time where we are promoting it from an email standpoint or externally that they'll be the associated promotion along with it. And some of the items that we think might be a little more successful or we feel really confident about, there would be could be potentially be some smaller digital media campaigns behind them from a social standpoint. Now, I'm sure Greg and his staff will do a great job of getting that promotion schedule out, but I usually find out about Drexel Basketball Promotions from Nate's social media. So my recommendation <laughs> to you, Greg, is just to reach out to Nate and make sure they get that out there to the world. And anybody listening, make sure you uh, you follow. Yeah, it gets yeah, frustrating. We- Lehigh had their football team at a dog day on Saturday, and it was – so if you looked on the schedule, and it was like dog day. So yeah. I read the article and it said nothing. I assume it was like, bring your dog. Sure. And then I'm like, is it hot dog day? Is it what? So, you know, because, you know, having kids, that's a lot of what gets me out, whatever promotion's yeah. going on. So these little things get screwed up where you don't say what your promotion is. It should be yeah. pitch and catch. But I see that a lot. So. No, that's a great point. I think, like I said, messaging is really important. Nate, maybe we can give you an exclusive and get, get you that promo schedule for everybody else and get you the drop on that. But yeah, I don't no, have I any pets. If you have hot dogs, <laughs> that would work. There are a couple ones we're excited about. And one is an internal market that I did want to touch on. We're going to partner with the Greek organizations this year. Feel pretty comfortable about the date. Don't want to just say publicly just yet, but the we're going to do something called Greek Games where all the on-court promotions are going to be between Greek organizations. There's also going to be an attendance program between the Greek organizations, whoever has the highest percentage among them will get a gift to their philanthropic duties. We're also going to hopefully partner with a student life staff event as well and having the whole night be themed out in a way that, that, that is unified. And the same thing, the DAC pack, we haven't really talked about too much yet, which maybe I'm a little surprised about. But I know in the past, they've always done a blue owl. And that's something that we want to lean into from a overall theme of the night, right? Like we want to have a luau theme beyond just the DAC pack and utilizing that video board and some of the ca- and the camera options and fun games that we can do, lean into the fact that we have a luau theme night. And we'll definitely take that on from a standpoint of the entire game rather than just the DAC pack. Yeah, we were trying to let you ease into it a little bit, Greg, before we started hitting you with the DAC pack questions. But I guess now is, uh, is as good a time as any. One of the things when we were talking before engagement and attendance and everything, I remember 10 years in from the DAC pack starting, it was like a big 10-year anniversary game. It was like, sure. it was also the height of the DAC. It was leading up to Snub 2.0, we'll call it, when we got Snub for the second time from, from being on the bubble. But 20 years came and went. I don't think anybody even noticed, even though we 
made the NCAA tournament right before that. You mentioned human resources, and I like how you framed it, but human resources are the component that's going to be critical to engaging the captive audience you have on campus yep. to come and attend the games. Have you, I'm assuming you've already discussed with the DACPAC president, can you yep. elaborate a little bit more on how you're going to partner with the DACPAC, I guess, yeah. too, and make them come back to maybe the heights they were in 10 years ago. Yeah. So we've had one meeting to this point with the president one-on-one specifically, and then we have a handful of smaller impromptu discussions with the president and some of the other members to this point in time and scheduled to be attending their second official DACPAC meeting this upcoming week, which I'm really excited about. And they've presented some ideas to me to this point in regards to the theme nights, what they've done in the past, and a lot of listening with them and a little bit of hopefully directive and thought process into being in this business and what we can try to provide from a knowledge standpoint of how they can continue to grow and be successful. I'm excited to talk to them. I I have a couple ideas for some commercials and videos that, that I'd like to speak with them about, and I hope they take to it. But the one thing is they're students, right? So I'm really big on, it's not their responsibility to get people to the game. That is the external relations department's responsibility. I'm cognizant of that, and that's how I approach it. Everything DACPAC does is 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 awesome, appreciated, but I really don't want there to be any pressure on them. And that's something I've tried to make clear in our discussions is that there's no pressure. Like, this is supposed to be fun. I imagine that's how this all started, right? This was people mm-hmm. in the in Jackson students, they want to have fun and it grew organically. And I think when there's pressure to get people to it and it becomes something it's not, it needs to be organically grown and Everybody needs to be there for the right reasons and, and, and to be fun, not just because somebody was pressuring them to join the DAC pack. I don't think that's good for long-term growth. I was going to say, I think for a long time, the DAC pack was <laughs> held accountable for attendance. Like it didn't seem like there was a lot of responsibility there besides on, okay, the DAC pack, this isn't doing a good job. So students aren't showing up. For me personally, that's really good to hear that we have someone on payroll who's taking responsibility running the show on on attendance in general. I do think one thing that you're going to find is just there's a general lack of respect for sports on campus in general. I think that's been going on since we were in school like 27 years ago. And it's from what I understand, it's still going on today. So I think that's going to be one of your challenges. And what can you do to combat that? Yeah. So I think it goes back to what I stated earlier on is leaning into the entertainment piece. Only so many people love basketball, right? Like you you say we only promoted it as this is a basketball event. Well, you just cut your potential reach of the students by a mass percentage. The more the more the people are not going to connect with the basketball program than will. That's just the nature of the world. And I think when I was younger, specifically as a marketer, that was probably one of my biggest mistakes because I was a sport guy. I played basketball in high school. Basketball's near and dear to my heart. I was actually a basketball coach for a period of time. And I just always assumed that everybody was loved basketball. But the older I've gotten and the more I've been involved in this is leaning in more to the entertainment piece and the experience piece. And if you can get people to have fun and have a good time, that's how you get the students to keep coming back. And the basketball is a piece to the puzzle, not the only not the only item. I think that's really important. I'm not going to let Bill bring up Grand Canyon University for the 42nd time. But I will ask a little bit on the obvious, which is what entertainment should we expect to see come November? Yeah, no, I, great question. I think, number one, you're going to see a 
maybe an improvement in the quality of music that we're utilizing. That was some feedback that I received from student athletes and students. And that's really important to me and something that I took a great interest in. And, and I think it's massively important in the overall experience. Obviously, the video board is going to allow us to do so many items as far as dance cam, bongo cams, flex cams, all kind of different items, interactive games, having encore promotions that are fun. And then we are going to have uh, aim for Encore MC again, which I think is really important and having directive there into how to get the crowd engaged and leading chants and things of that nature. That That's just some of the things that come to the top of my head that will impact the overall experience. And then there'll also be a lot of engagement pieces on the video board where we can utilize the players themselves in 10, 15, 20 second leading clips for chants, for get off your feet, for all those things that will theoretically engage the fans to a level of wanting to get off their feet, right, and cheer and be supportive. It's interesting. You mentioned that, and I'm glad you did. When you talk about player engagement, I'm not, I'm not a TikToker, and I'm certainly not the biggest Instagrammer around. But uh, and we'll talk about demos in a minute. But I, it's the players that I do follow, which I think are all, if not most of them, at this point on Instagram, seem to have been much more active. With, with reels and the like recently is that something that's they've done organically or has that been kind of nudged the great question mostly organically but i have met with the coaching staff and a couple of them and have emphasized that that is helpful right the more followers they can gain and the more that they can be interactive and the more they're promoting drexel the, the more it's going to hopefully lead to butts and seats so that we've had some smaller conversations there nothing aggressive in regards to that there's been some conversations and as an athletic department we've put a i'm really big on the growth of instagram and then we put a lot of focus there and seen a lot of success in that space. And we did just recently launch a TikTok, which we're still in the phases there, very minimal early stages where we'll grow. And I'm sure there'll be a lot of opportunities for collaboration with some of these individuals that will help both of us, right? Both them grow, us grow and get people to the games theoretically. Does NIL help with that? Like where you can go to a player and say, hey, you've got a thousand 5,000 followers, whatever now. If you get to the X number, you've probably got a better look. Yeah. Well, I can't really directly talk about NIL as a, in that way, specifically as a, as an employee. We have to do it more from an educational piece. And I think they the student-athletes understand the more followers they have, the more value they hold to a company. We can't be involved in brokering deals or trying to push that, but we can speak to it in an educational piece. And I, they understand that. And Right. Anytime you're working with a company, you're talking about a social campaign, the more views, the more eyeballs, the more guaranteed impressions, the more financially beneficial it is. Okay. That's a great point. I appreciate that. The other piece of kind of what we're going on there, we haven't mentioned Facebook yet, right? We have, because, and I mentioned this especially because the group of us, Bill Leon, Nate and I were talking about this a few weeks ago, right? How do you reach everyone there's definitely age demographics between the social media platforms but it goes beyond that a little bit are there specific demographics that i don't want to say you value more than others but you target and are there specific social media channels you emphasize are you just going around globally and trying to be out there no the, that's a great question but from a demo there are definitely demographics and social media is a part of that as well but also paid search campaigns as well so Essentially, we've actually we're actually in the midst of partnering with the 
university marcom department in regards to a digital media campaign where we're going to be utilizing their resources as well as a third-party company to really have a targeted analytical campaign on the greater Philadelphia area, specifically with individuals that might have a preference towards sports and entertainment and family fun. And we're really excited about that. And there's definitely a targeted demographic on that front, more in the 30 to 55 age range specifically, which that's an exciting opportunity. As far as on a more generalized scale, Instagram and TikTok are going to speak to some of our younger demographics, right? Probably 25 and under. Twitter is speaks to the probably the largest demographic. However, if you want to really get in some of the weeds, just because you have a really strong reach on Twitter doesn't necessarily mean it's going to have a greater impact because of all the news sources that's coming out on it. But the quality of content's really important. And then Facebook's theoretically, not theoretically, it is going to speak to your maybe a little bit of an older demographic than the other platforms. So that's a generalized approach from a social media standpoint. We also, Learfield is a great partner to the athletic department. And uh, they have some analytical data on our website traffic, which is very useful in regards to some additional smaller campaigns that we can do. We know that, let's say, 30% of our demographic that's visiting the website is from 30 mile radius of Philadelphia and the age 41 to 51. Like We can find that information out, which is really helpful in regards to like when you're doing a smaller, more localized campaign to try to drive sales to maybe an individual asset like the three-game mini plan or individual game. You mentioned digital engagement and you mentioned also that college attendance as it related to sports has been on decline. Are mm-hmm. we have, Has the digital engagement been getting higher as a result of the in-person attendance dropping naturally even pre-pandemic? And is there any strategy you got you're thinking about employing on converting some of these digital maybe more engaged users or if we have that many that maybe watch games online a lot or get them to watch games online more so that eventually they're like, oh man, this sounds fun. Let me try to make it to a game. Yeah, no, I think that's a that, that's a great point. A lot of it has to do with the messaging, right? Like we want to be running internal messaging on everything we're doing that's promoting what's next and how fun it is and the excitement. And we've seen growth on our channels and specifically Instagram. Our engagement, our accounts engaged in my first 60 days compared to the 60 days prior, it's like an 18% increase. Our followers have grown by over 8%, which is a great start in, in regards to just improving our overall reach. And the next step is going to be, right, can we turn that into actual attendance and people in the seats? And it's more from a brand awareness standpoint, if we're talking about digital engagement, like on the social channels, in my opinion, like I said, the human resource aspects is how we're really going to get students or departments or colleges on campus to come to the game. The digital campaigns are more targeted external groups to get that sale for that pre-sale number that we talked about earlier. This is kind of going back to a topic earlier a little bit, but as far as making the game an event outside of the game itself, I've heard ideas tossed around about tailgates or something along the lines of a meetup at Landmark or something. Like what is in the works as far as turning the game into an event like outside of the game itself? Yeah, a great question. I think I'd be remiss not to address that alcohol 
availability. I think that may be at the forefront of, of this engaging question and what I've heard from some other people. And that's something that we're trying to address, whether it be a beer garden at a handful of games, whether it be more marketing efforts to get people a landmark or whether it be an item in the arena itself, that's still trying to be worked out, but it's something that there is an emphasis on and making that experience improved. You going to tease us at all? We have, we have any specifics? Um, yeah, I think we're hopeful at the very least that there's going to be a growing partnership with Landmark. And we're also very hopeful that there's going to be more alcohol sales readily available to our fans. That's how I'll phrase it. All right. One, I think, softball before we get to the uh, my favorite question. It looks like a lot of the women's games have shifted to a 6 p.m. tip. I'm curious as to what the reasoning was behind that. Yeah, that decision was actually made prior to my arrival, but talking through it, I agree with the decision. And a lot of it has to do with the consistency and, and the, I think there's four or five, four if I'm not mistaken, actually Friday conference games. And the thought process is I try to improve that Friday attendance by trying something different and having the 6 p.m. start and being a little experimental to see if that will drive more attendance at that Friday games and then a consistency across the board for the weekday games to start at 6 that was really the driving factor was those conference Friday games. Keep people in the city before they go home. Correct. Exactly. Okay. Trying to create, hey, instead of somebody going to Collingswood and then coming back for 7 p.m. where once you get home, what are the chances that somebody's going to come back? Are you diminishing the possibility of having that 6 p.m. great from work? Can you come to the game? Or maybe have somebody from your family meet you there. You know, those opportunities are now you know on the table. And we'll see if it's successful and intrigued to see how it's going to work. All right. I'll slide in. I guess this is related to, but as far as we saw a great expansion these last couple of years during COVID with the NBC Sports Philly and getting some linear TV games out and that we can see in the market. Unfortunately, mostly home games, right? So if you're going, it's a one or the other situation. You're either at the game or you're watching the game. You can't be two places at once. But is that continuing? Or are we expecting to even expand further than we've, we were last year? Where are we at there? I would say similar in regards to those linear opportunities and those carve-outs in regards to MEC Sports Philadelphia packages. I would say we're definitely going to be on a similar level to probably last year. And I think it's exciting in town we can get on local MEC Sports affiliate and in Philadelphia specifically. MEC Sports Philadelphia holds a lot of weight. It's a great opportunity. So we're excited about that. And then outside of that, your standard games across flow sports um, you know, that, that we're all aware of. One of the things I like about that is, is I'm a YouTube TV. I cut the cord this year. And what I learned with NBC Sports Philly is that I can get it when I travel anywhere, yep. which is awesome. So even around the holiday time, I'll still be able to get my Drexel games, which is great. So well, that leads us into Nate's favorite, Nate, my favorite part of the debate. But Flow Sports is here. It's here for at least another year. And it sounds like it might be here further than that. Talking to some folks around the conference, I've gotten... Some pretty pretty confident replies, put it that way, that flow is here for a while to be. Leon, gun to your head. Drexel plays at William & Mary in like February. What's got more viewership, the Flow Sports feed or our podcast following that game? That's a good question. I think we might beat out Flow Sports on that one if I was a betting man. But, but we jest about this just because at least initially some of the subscription costs for those games were pretty – if you're going for a fan base that maybe is – let's say, still trying to get interested in a program sometimes, it was a little cost prohibitive, right? Like you'd go in, you'd be like, oh, I want to watch this game because they're playing maybe a team that your buddy is event to, school fun. So you wanted to throw the game on and you tried to put the game on and it's 30 bucks for a game. I think we had that initial experience with Flow Sports that we didn't get out of. That bad taste in our mouth hasn't left. 
and I think Leon, to your point, it's a we, we spent this entire conversation talking about growing the brand and mm-hmm. growth and getting people back, right? And it's just it's tough. That's a tough. Come see this team, but also you've got to jump through these hoops, right? To get somebody who could be excited about the program, a friend of yours or whatever else, another alumni, right? Excited about this. Greg, I'm, I'm looking for you to make the case, right? What does Flow Sports bring with it that makes it attractive to the university? Because it can't be the 30 people watching the William & Mary game. Yeah, sure. No, I think you know, obviously relationship has been a priority for the conference. I can't really speak to the future, but what are the positives? I think it's unique. It's There's a growth potential. And as anything, in the earlier stages, there's always going to be hiccups, right? And as you continue to grow and develop in a relationship, you would anticipate that both sides will continue to improve, right? So I think the quality of the streams and maybe the user experience and all those things will be continue to grow and improve across the board. I haven't got a chance to look at every single CAA conference member streams on Flow Sports. My adventure guess to say there's probably differentiating factors between them and there's probably not the same quality every single time you log in if i'm wrong correct me if i'm wrong but i think that's something that over time we'll definitely see improvement on in this this year as well we'll see improvement there and as far as the brand and i think there has to be a a focus on maybe a a co-partnership and a co-branding effort and a messaging improvement in regards to how to watch the games and how to get the subscriptions and frame it in a way that this is unique and go about it in that manner i think the point greg what you said something about you i think the first thing you said like you can't predict the future and that's been my thing with this whole thing i just think with streaming it's all very much in the up of the air and we don't know where this is going to go so I, it's, I'm taking a wait and see approach and I guess, and I'll throw out there too. We talked about field hockey. I think I put a Drexel field hockey game on one night last week. And I'll be honest, I try to watch field hockey. It's so different from ice hockey. It's, it's just not my thing necessarily, but I think the game went to overtime and I saw us get an overtime game winner. So I'm like, that was pretty cool. And how else would I see a Drexel field hockey game? And then am I trying to avoid any college football yesterday? So I didn't know who won. So I could watch all the games today. I knew I could check on Delaware Towson one game I was a little interested in, and we were on the Metro coming back from the Phillies game. So I pulled up the Delaware Towson game and just saw Delaware was winning. Again, I, I don't know what happened as far as pulling up one game and getting charged thirty dollars. I don't. I forget what it is for a year. What I pay. I mean, if for me, I use it for and obviously racing isn't what I really hammer, but sure. so that's what I like about it. And then the last thing, I think my biggest point in this, I guess I'm kind of like an underdog guy. I feel like sometimes. We like perseverate and jump on certain things. And I, to be honest, I got tired of hearing all the complaining about flow. So me, it's, so I got your back and I'm just going to throw out here too. Another thing that like people like to pile on is James Madison, who, and I, I, not that I'm a James Madison fan, but I'm pulling up their schedule right now. They're 4-0 and they've won at Appalachian State. Again, I'm not, I got sick of them complaining too about leaving the conference, but that's my other thing. I just, I guess going back to what Greg said, I think this is all going to play out in the future and we'll see where it goes. So that's just so I'm clear on my position on flow sports. I think I've heard Nate say this before and he is right. You know, flow is unique because in the racing community and the wrestling community and the track and field community, it is one of the heavy hitters I and mean, it is very readily used across the board. There has been inroads in, in those areas, and, and you know, just, which means that it can be done in others, right? So I want to backpedal on two things here real quick. One, Nate said that he didn't want to watch college football, so he turned on Flow College Football. All right, I'm just going to leave that one alone for a moment. But the 
bigger one for me is you talked to touch on production qualities, Greg, and whatnot, and it's not consistent around the conference. I know the standards are, are lower than like an ESPN Plus would be. I'm actually less concerned about that. If you give me a feed, I'm just happy to have a Drexel feed. And before Flow, it was individual schools producing their own, and it was really every man for himself, right? So I actually think that in some ways, at least there's some standards. I, I don't mind that. I guess my, my again, I look at it strictly from an eyeballs perspective, and especially out of conference, right? Out of conference always drove me crazy. Because even when Drexel went to whatever Flow Sports sponsored tournament they went to, and I want to catch those games because I had other ways to catch most of the other out-of-conference games. I'd either be at the DAC or it'd be on a road team's ESPN Plus, which I could actually see. Paying 30 bucks for the tournament weekend would drive me a little bit nutsy, right? So uh, the price point is a thing. I'll acknowledge all of that. My, my question, I guess, is by being on Flow rather than an ESPN Plus, or I don't even know what other linear services. And I know MLS just went to a national Apple Plus deal, which I think is fascinating and terrible at the same time. As I think the only thing the Philadelphia Union have done right since day one is the broadcast booth. And with the Apple Plus deal, they lose local broadcast, which is, and we've seen that less of that too, right? We're saving money by not sending teams on the road to, to broadcast games, doing it from a studio. There is real cost cutting in that production area. So I get why from a broader, a global view of flow is attractive, but what other opportunities do you get outside of Flow? What is what does Flow create for the conference? Yeah, no, I, I, obviously there is flexibility in the current agreement, as you can see with how many games are on NBC Sports Philadelphia, which is an intriguing opportunity with the current agreement and how things operate. There are opportunities for carve-outs and to be on those local channels, which do have a lot of reach, and there's some uniqueness in, in the opportunities and the way the contract and agreement is currently stated that allow that, which is intriguing and can maybe address some of the concerns about the maybe the eyeballs. But I think, as Nate said, and, and as I've said from the beginning, it's being involved in something at the earlier stages and trying to be on something that can hopefully continue to grow and pop over time and grow with those number of eyeballs you know, on a year-to-year basis. All right. Well, we'll look forward to seeing that growth. You've got On that one, I think you've got your work cut out for you. I think on all of them, you have your work cut out for you. But on that one, I wish you luck. All right, Bill, Nate, Leon, any, anything else before you let Greg get out the door? No, we do appreciate a lot, Greg, for you making the time, not only talking to some of us on an individual basis, but also coming on here because to Bill's earlier point about the DAC pack being like the sole responsible unit for making sure there were enough students at the games. I'm glad to see them getting some well-needed help and hopefully a partnership could grow from that. Yeah, I appreciate it. Appreciate it. As I said, I was really excited at the opportunity to be on the podcast. And anytime we can speak to alumni and individuals that have an affinity for Drexel, it's exciting for me. And now I'm just fired up to be here and can't wait to be at the DAC for the unveiling of the video board. And I hope to see everybody there. And Thanks, Greg. And, and yeah, again, I know a lot of us here and some folks who, who are not with us today have had the opportunity to speak with you individually before this. And I tell you that the feedback's been overwhelmingly positive, but even if it wasn't, I'd be thankful for the fact that you're taking the time to speak to all of us, right? It's continued conversations, not just one, not just a touch point, but keeping these uh, communications open. It's great to see, and we really appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yeah, and like I said, want want to be a connector. And that's not just words to me, that's important. And I think that's one of the large responsibilities of somebody in my role is to be a connector. So you'll definitely have these continued conversations and want to use me as a resource to connect with other people. And hopefully that's something we can continue to grow and gain on. All right. When should we be looking for kind of the promotions to drop? When should we be looking for the schedule updates and everything else? Season's about a month away now. 
Yeah, single game promotions are going to drop sometime between October 10th and 12th. So very soon, just in the final finalization of a, one or two that there. So just want to make sure everything's good to go before we announce it publicly. So that's around the corner. And yeah, after that, we'll be pushing and you'll see some more creative items coming out and marketing initiatives and welcome the feedback from everybody on thoughts and opinion as those continue to evolve and develop over time. All right, everybody. On behalf of Nate, Bill, Leon, myself, thank you for listening to Dragon's Cast tonight. Everybody have a great evening, afternoon, whenever you're listening to this.